Welcome to Hero's Journey Physio Fitness. Our mission is to empower, inspire, and mentor people to reclaim their health and become self-reliant in their fitness. I'm your host, Dr. Cameron Hogue. Join with me as my co-host, Annabelle Rios. All right, guys, we're going live in three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Um, like we always say at the beginning, like and subscribe, feed the algorithm, share the podcast, give it a rating, give us some love. And uh, if you're not on social media, Annabelle, where can they find us? Everywhere. <laughs> we're on everything. We are. Twitter needs some love um, and YouTube needs some love. So go check those places out. Um, but we're really excited today. We have another guest on our podcast. Um, and again, as Annabelle said last time, you kind of get to see what we look like because we've been incognito, just audio. But uh, today we have Dr. Matt Rutledge. I'm going to give a little kind of background about him and then we'll get into some really good conversation here. So uh, Dr. Rutledge, he graduated from Florida Gulf Coast University. That's where he received his doctorate of physical therapy. That was in 2017. After that, he started working as an orthopedic uh, staff therapist <clears throat> in the Chattanooga area. And uh, the following year, he went through an orthopedic uh, residency, which is about a year-long residency where you can sit for a board exam. And after that, he sat for his board exam and obtained his OCS, which is an orthopedic clinical specialist. Um, a year after that, he became a clinic director at a uh, um, outpatient practice. And then in 2022, he left and partnered with Evo Performance Therapy, which is a out-of-network cash-based practice, which we're going to get into today. And he opened an office in Chattanooga. So, Matt, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, guys. Really excited for this. So <clears throat> let's start with, I know we gave you a little background. Uh, is there anything from the background that we didn't hit or anything? Um, no, that's pretty good. Pretty good intro. Yeah, let's talk about pretty the Murph confident. real quick. How was your Murph challenge? Oh, oh Murph. Uh, luckily, it wasn't 100 degrees outside. I think it would have been way worse with that. But uh, Did you wear a vest? A, I did. I did. Finished in a respectable 56 minutes. Hey. There's, there's some guys that definitely fly through that workout. but I, I don't understand. We're okay with it. Yeah, I don't. We did this morning. Annabel was literally dry heaving in the, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was doing push ups. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I thought I prepared myself a little better for it this year. I did some, some Murph prep, in kind of weeks leading up, and no, didn't help. <laughs> nothing, nothing prepares. No, oh, no. it's the push ups. Push ups in the second mile. That's what gets you, dude. That well, second mile is brutal. Yeah, yeah, it hits different. That's for sure. After you've done 300 squats, your legs are just little, little <laughs> jelly beans as you get on your getaway sticks. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, Matt, give us a, so I know you were a, um, in an insurance-based outpatient practice for quite mm -hmm. a while, and then you left um, and started the Evo Performance. Give us a little background on your journey to this cash-based type of model. Yeah, so, so I spent... I mean, five, almost six years um, as I came out of school, just working in the traditional uh, insurance-based kind of corporate E-type office that you would kind of generally see if you went to see your doctor and they said, you know, go to PT. Sure. Um, what that kind of gave me, very grateful for it, gave me a lot of exposure, saw a lot of different types of patients, age ranges, um, conditions, acute, chronic surgical, all, you know, everything you could think of seeing, saw a lot of that, um, really good experience being able to go through a residency, kind of fine tuning all of those, um, kind of clinical skills that just a little bit of a step above what we get in, in our coursework throughout our programs, um, to get our degrees. But really what it kind of hit is after I took over as, um, a clinic director and you kind of start seeing a little bit more of what what the financial side of things look like and what, what really kind of got to me was just the amount of, of, kind of volume that they push on us. Um, you know, healthcare, we all get into it cause we want to help people. Um, at least most of us, that's kind of our, our driving passion. And, 
for sure. It gets for a little sure. frustrating yeah. when when you start having to kind of more appease the bottom line of of the business that doesn't really directly benefit you, doesn't really directly benefit the patient. Um, it really helps the higher ups, which you know you don't really notice that until you get to where you can start seeing spreadsheets with profits and losses, and this is what you know things are bringing in and all that stuff. So yeah, um, you know I hate to use the word burnout because um, I think Oops. it's it's kind of overused in our general um, generation, I guess. Yeah. Um, but really, it was more of a I was losing motivation to be as skilled as I my patients deserved. Um, kind of going through the motions, just showing up, clock in, clock out, you know, not really pushing myself to be as good of a clinician as I knew I could be. And, and the only people that really hurts is, is our patients. So for me, that was kind of the, the step and eye-opening experience to say like, maybe I need to do something different. Um, did yeah. you, did you almost feel like, um, all that training that you did with the residency, and different con ed courses was almost, I don't want to say going to waste, but it felt like maybe you couldn't really hit the pedal and go as fast as you could. It was almost like you just, like you said, going through the motions and not really being able to implement a lot of that stuff. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's always fun when you take a con ed course, um, you come back the next week and it's like, I've got all these cool new things I want to try. And I've got four or five people in my mind that this is going to be great for them. And then something happens, you know, they get paired up, you know, a lot, a lot of the issues, that I had was having to see multiple patients at the same time. And so they just get, you know, they get paired up with somebody who's not optimal to spend this much time doing it, you know, a new manual technique on them or someone who's a fall um, risk. Yeah. And, and you're like, Oh man, I, I just learned so much stuff that this person could really benefit from, but I just physically don't have the capacity to implement it. So yeah, that, that's definitely a big component of it. Um, but, and you know, the other side is just like I kind of touched on, it's just having to see two, three people at a time. Um, yeah, it just, I, it really think, wears on you. I think that's probably challenging because like you said, you get into this because you want to help individuals, treat them, mm -hmm. help them improve and get better, but it's a business just like anywhere else. And I think yeah. you, in healthcare, it, it's broken. The system's broken overall, but yeah, they're, they're definitely overworked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Broken is a, is a great way to describe kind of the U S healthcare system. Yeah. It's just, it's dictated by people that, that don't have the medical training. Um, and that's not just physical therapy. I mean, you can look at anything um, surgeons, um, you know, specialists think of, you know, having to get all these hoops to jump through just to get an MRI for suspected cancer, we're things like be, that, you know, we're going to be down. I believe the statistic is 40% of physicians in the next couple of years. Like, the burnout rate is real amongst um, almost all healthcare professions, especially physical yeah. therapy. But um, I, know, I know physicians are, are being kind of forced, uh, unless they have their own practice, to, mm -hmm. to see 40 patients a day, which is ungodly. It's like, yeah, and a lot of them are, are leaving kind of the general, general practitioner being the primary care doctors, and they're, they're yeah. going to specialists because, I mean, they can make more money that way, but they're also kind of in control of, of who they see and, and that's just hurting the general population because we need those good skilled general practitioners that, yeah. you know, we see for our annual physicals or when we get the flu and all that stuff, you can decreasing access is only hurting patients, which is frustrating. And like you're saying you want to give them good service and actually mm -hmm. treat them and all these things that you're learning, but you can't. Hmm. So. Yep. Hmm. And that was the, that was the real motivation to go kind of the, the out of network or cash based side um, is, is we, now kind of take control back away from the insurance companies and yeah. it's right back in our hands. We control, you know, who we see, when we see them, how often we see them, what we do with them. Um, and it doesn't always have to be, you know, strictly directed by this is what my plan says I can do. Somebody that's sitting at a computer that's checking boxes says you can see them for six minutes. How, how could we cut cost? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's take exactly. this away. Yep. <laughs> So that was, that was my kind of biggest motivation is just, I was either going to leave the field altogether or had to do something different. Um, and I didn't, you know, it's hard to go to school for that long to just abandon leave it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Try to be a real estate agent or, you know, something <laughs> like that, but, um, move back to the Florida kind of, coast. <laughs> yeah. Trying to see just a different side of it and kind of take control back, which 
it's been so fun so far. Uh, definitely a different level of, of stress and uncertainty and, you know, all that side of it, but it's uh, better than the, the, the burnout side of, of the stress. Absolutely. Um, for those maybe who are unaware of what, like, I, I know I said out of network, I said cash base so far to kind of describe uh, your partnership with Evo. Um, what does that even mean for people who don't understand the difference between, uh, cash based and insurance? What do you, what's kind of your, your, your saying kind of what, what do you usually educate people on when they ask? Yeah. So there are two terms that really only dictate basically the payment method, um, in terms of, you know, still a physical therapist, still treating mostly orthopedic conditions, you know, that doesn't change whether you're going to in, you know, in network or out of network, um, provider, really what the difference is, uh, is, is how things are paid for essentially. So out of network and cash based, they kind of get entangled. They're technically two separate entities. Um, okay. somebody could be solely a cash based therapist. Somebody could be a solely out of network therapist. So, What's or you can kind of have the, the hybrid. So cash base would be uh, you don't deal with insurance at all. You take cash, credit cards, you know, that yeah. stuff too. Mm-hmm. But uh, you are just, you're paid for your service by the person. It's nothing's run through any kind of insurance. Uh, whereas out of network technically is still being run through your insurance policy. Um, if you've never looked at what your insurance policy looks like, if you go to your benefits, you're going to have your in-network benefits and your out-of-network benefits. So if you're going to see somebody as an out-of-network provider, you would technically be having the opportunity to send those claims to their insurance company through their out-of-network side. Where that gets kind of gray is a lot of um, kind of therapists that are working in the same model. Um, We charge a cash rate, we take the cash, but then give the patient the opportunity to submit those claims to their insurance company as their out-of-network benefits. So some policies are great and you'll mm-hmm. get a decent chunk of money back from your insurance company. Most are not, yeah. <laughs> which is a whole other topic we'll get into here, I think shortly, but um, that's kind of the difference between the, you know, the out of network and the cash, true cash based. Um, but that level <sighs> of, of care can be much different than a true in network provider. So an in network provider is, somebody who is contracted with your insurance company, you are going to see them, services are provided, whatever it is. Um, and then those claims or that billing is sent to your insurance company first. They will do with it what they want. They will pay for all of it, pay for none of it, pay for a portion of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the remaining balance that they don't cover is then sent back and it's the patient's responsibility. That's... So that the the biggest difference is just who's in theory paying for it. Yeah. So like I'm a, uh, work in a, I guess, model that is we accept insurance in network insurance. Um, and the insurance company will pay you like you're saying a certain amount. And then the, um, patient is responsible for either their co-pay or co-insurance where they pay us mm-hmm. up front, whatever it is, 20, 30, 35%, whatever their policy is. And then sometimes you're right. Sometimes it actually, the insurance goes, eh, I know we'd said we'd cover this much, but you still get a bill because we don't, we don't want to cover that for whatever reason. Yeah. And they might be left with whatever chunk of change to keep paying. Um, yep. And it this, generally changes thing. every year too. With the insurance. Uh, a while back, I helped out with some claims and there is like a list of clauses to eliminate a reason for people to get coverage. I was like, well, they're mm-hmm. not... There's this, re- there's like a laundry list that you go through to exclude people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're trying not to pay. That's yeah. <laughs> we pay all these, you know, monthly premiums to them and their goal is to just not cover things is really what it comes down to. And I mean, again, it's a business, they yeah, got to make money, but not that much. <laughs> would you, would you say you're able to give more of a personal touch being more cash based and not a network? You're able to connect oh. more with the the patient instead of just trying to get them in and at the door? Yeah, 100%. It's, um, it's very, 
very different in terms of everything I do is not because I'm allowed to do it by what their insurance policy says. It's, it's truly what I think. And then in collaboration with the patient, you know, what, what is best for them in that time. And that can be anything from the actual treatments we're doing, you know, manual therapy, dry needling, uh, exercise prescriptions, things like that. Or it can be how frequently I see them, how yeah. long I see them for, how, um, how long each session is. Are they even injured? I see quite a few people that, you know, it's more of a performance enhancing or, or preventative mm-hmm. kind of approach where it's not even that they're truly limited outside of maybe they can't do a certain movement of their exercise, you know, which in daily life, they're fine which insurance might deny if they come to an insurance-based model because they're not seeing um, pain or dysfunction anywhere. And right. even though this is more of like what you're saying, preventative, they might say, well, you know, we're not going to cover that because or we're only going to cover five visits because technically you're not really injured or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and, and they are really looking at, can you perform your daily activities? Can you get in and out of a chair? Can you go to the bathroom? Can you take care of yourself? You make your own food, drive. Yeah. Great. You're healthy. We don't, you don't need to be seeing anybody for that. Whereas, you know, a lot of people, and I know this is kind of the biggest reason that you guys started this whole thing is to promote, you know, a much more healthier lifestyle beyond living our daily life. Um, trying to, you know, incorporate all of those different components of health. And it's hard when you're, you're feeling stuck and you want to reach out for help. And then somebody else just, you know, yanks the rug out from underneath your feet and, says no yeah like you don't need it (laughs) yeah exactly um so what do you think uh most people don't know about cash base i know you've you've touched on it some but Mm -hmm. uh there's probably maybe some people have heard about it but there's maybe some misconceptions what do some people don't know i would say well one you know not everybody knows that it exists in all honesty Uh, true (laughs) but um, a lot of, and this is just kind of things that I've heard from, you know, kind of the marketing efforts I've done and just reaching out to people and, and having these conversations with them about why we, the model that we chose to use and why we mm-hmm. don't take insurance. Um, but it's often thought of as just, it's, it's an expensive thing. That's only for people with money, people that are wealthy. Um, mm. it's kind of like glorified personal training you're paying for the one-on-one stuff, but it's not for the everyday human. Um, Often, you know, especially when we look at like post-surgical things like, oh, my, you know, my doctors wants me to go to PT, but I need to go, you know, to the hospital or to whatever practice they want me to go to. Um, That's another common one Um, where in reality, you know, it it looks like it's, it's expensive. but it's really a, that's a false perception. Um, oftentimes the per visit rate may be a little bit more. Um, but generally because of the way that we're able to see people, you know, directly one-on-one again, have that freedom of, of doing what's truly best for them, not just what we're allowed to do. Um, oftentimes comes with less visits or less frequency of visits. Um, so it really kind of comes into, you know, what fits into their schedule too. Oftentimes I know you've probably run into this, um, is you want to see somebody two to three times a week because it kind of helps the insurance model, you know, frequency kind of drives that a little bit more, but they're a mom of four kids that have soccer and baseball going on at the same time, work a full-time job, need a sitter, all that stuff. Yeah. I can, I can maybe squeeze in Friday morning, you know, that type of thing. Um, that the way that we kind of run things now is, is we can do, once a week. And, and I kind of encourage that because it, it also promotes a lot more independence with them managing kind of yeah. what's going on. Um, but then it turns into, you know, a lot more flexibility and, and both for me and them, um, you know, I'm not in the office nine to five type of thing. So it's, it's fine to say, let's do six thirty AM before the kids even wake up. Um, you know, your husband manages the morning and you're home by seven thirty-eight. Um, boom, done with the rest of the day, or let's do a Saturday, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's one thing to say, yeah, I got to work on Saturday for me. That's tough. But you know, you take out the, that burnout component, you take out 40 hours you've already spent. Yeah. I haven't already <laughs> spent 40 plus hours with, you know, documentation and all that stuff. 
uh, I'm more than willing now to just, you know, jump into the office for an hour. Would you say you have more flexibility in the type of exercises and programming you can do with, with the individual? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and specifically with, with a lot of the clientele that I'm seeing they're they're in more of a already pretty active, um, see a lot of CrossFitters, a lot of, um, you know, recreational weightlifters, uh, people that just generally like doing straight training runners, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so the way that I, my office is set up as it's in a CrossFit gym. Mm-hmm. So I have all the equipment that most of them are using. Um, big limitation for a lot of clinics is, you know, they don't even have barbells or they don't have a place to do pull-ups. Um, it and I know that us, was a big, it took yeah, us over a, two and a half years to get a barbell and squat rack in our clinic. Um, yeah. And, and it's those conversations of, you know, would you even use, who are you going to use this for? And it's everybody in all reality. Yeah. Um, and, and once you get it, it's like the things never, put down and you're fighting with your three coworkers to try to, you know, make sure you got your hands on it for part of your sessions. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I have access to that. Um, and then also like, I mean, I can see people do the movements that are, are oftentimes what's causing their issues. Um, or I have the flexibility if it's somebody who's, you know, when I, I get knee pain when I run, but it takes me to run four miles before I feel it. All right run four miles and then come see me when you're done. Like, boom, yeah. now we can actually treat what's going on, find what's falling apart and, and really kind of get to the, the source of that without having to utilize three to four visits of let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. Okay. When you're home this weekend, run four miles and let's reconvene on Monday and see if what we did help type of thing. We can actually really get to the kind of source and, of that stuff a lot and, faster. And, and that would cut down on the amount of visit someone would come see you for which then which yeah. you're saying with the cost like you're doing this many visits maybe insurance based mm-hmm. model with your copay but then you see me this many visits because we can actually kind of treat what's going on uh, and you know cut down some of those visits that were I'm not gonna yeah. say a waste but um didn't really yield it's too a much. lot more trial and error yeah you would say yeah yeah, yeah. and it, yeah so when you when you start balancing them out really you know again it looks high cost per visit wise sometimes not always um but it's not generally total treatment cost, oftentimes slightly less um, than if you were to go through the basic insurance model. Now that's not every, you know, some people have phenomenal insurance. People that are, you know, federal employees, former military, um, working with the VA or with, you know, some of the TRICARE. I mean, some of them, they have phenomenal coverage once they get into places um, Mm -hmm. that sometimes they're a challenge, but so it, it, it's not a, a guarantee that it's going to necessarily be cheaper, but that's kind of where you get into, you know, finding a, a clinician that's really going to give you the outcomes that you're looking for too. So yeah, that's another, another topic we can get into here. <laughs> yeah. What? So I know that, so most people that see you, they most, they still have probably insurance. They probably still have either like mm-hmm. Blue Cross or Cigna, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Do you find that some people don't really even know too much about their insurance and you're having to kind of educate them on like what, so what, what's been your, um, experience with like people coming to you, they have insurance and they're probably asking you a bunch of questions. Yeah. They're probably like, why should I go with insurance? Isn't it going to be yeah. cheaper? That's probably the first question you get is, Hey, do you take my insurance? 99% <laughs> of the time is, is I like, I've seen what you do with other people. Do you take insurance? Um, so how does that conversation it's, go? It's getting easier. I'll say that <laughs> tough at first. Um, Probably you know, learning and, curve. And, yeah. And, and you're, you, you can sympathize with people. It's they we pay a lot. I mean, I, I still do, um, you know, between my wife, we just had a baby. So we just added, you know, another person to our insurance. You pay a lot every month. Congratulations. I mean, your paycheck. Thank you. Um, you but named him, you're you paying cam, right? Um, you're paying a lot every month for it and it's one of those things like you know i should use this i'm paying for it Um, sure but when you really go back and look at your benefits and a lot of people don't don't dive into this too much for um kind of i say minor things in a loose term you know if you're injured it's not minor it's really affecting your life but we're thinking not having you know catastrophic surgeries or um you know, life-changing medical procedures. Most people don't realize how much of that they're still going to pay for 
out of their own pocket before their insurance even really kicks in and starts paying for it. So there's two things that really I, I encourage people to look at when they ask me that is, is I'll ask them, you know, what is your deductible and what have you met of that this year? Yeah. I got one or two answers. I either get really big eyes. Like what language are you speaking? What's the D <laughs> word? <laughs> yeah. That tells me that they have no idea, you know, really the ins and outs of their insurance policy. Um, or they give me a really stone cold answer. And usually those are the people that have pretty darn good insurance. Like I have a $500 deductible. I had to get, you know, something done, a scan. I've met that already. It's January. I'm good. Rest of the year is going to be great. Um, you know, those people, it's a different conversation with them, but most people it's, it's, I have a three to $5,000 deductible. That means that you're not going to get coverage from your insurance until you have paid that first. So now we go into the, you know, the same conversation as we just had of you know, total cost, right? Going through the insurance model versus the, the out of network model, total cost may, you know, not much different. In fact, maybe even a little less seeing, seeing, um, myself, um, you're going to pay that anyways. That comes into the, the idea we talked about earlier where they can submit those claims to their insurance mm -hmm. on their own and have that be counted towards their deductible. Yeah, sure. um, but that's that's what most people don't realize is they they're still paying that out of pocket cost even though it's processed through their insurance until they meet their deductible, and then they'll get the twenty percent. With a lot of it's a lot of educating, right? That you have to yeah. go through and walk the individual. It's like some some of them have like the in network deductible and there's like the outer network mm -hmm. deductible and it's, they're like, there's a lot of things and, and I think a lot you of things earlier. Yeah, you mentioned earlier they're just trying not to pay for it. That's yeah. That's really what it comes down to is, is their bottom line is to not pay for claims. It goes up. They get bonuses oh, yeah. and, you know, whatever it is from that. So that that's usually the conversation that I have is, is you know, what's your deductible look like? Do you know what that is? Um, and do you know how much of it you've met? And especially when it's pretty high, which, you know, a lot of people now are, they're trying to keep their monthly premium lower. So yeah. they're going with a high deductible plan, you know, being able to use an HSA and, you know, drop their taxable income and all that stuff. Um, can, can, sorry to stop you. Can people use yeah. a healthcare savings account with you with? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. HSAs and FSAs. Um, we're, we're licensed healthcare providers. So uh, we still have the NPI number. Um, mm -hmm. We can give them the appropriate documentation if they need to, you know, some of those, those um, accounts really are, are strict on submitting your receipts and things. Um, so yeah, that's, that is what most of my, uh, most of my clientele does is they have a high deductible plan. They max out their HSA every year yeah, as a tax benefit. And then they use that as they need to. Um, so it's not really money quote unquote out of their pocket. Um, but yeah. it, I mean, it is in mm -hmm. the long run, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's what a lot of people will do. Well, that's good to know because I feel like some people might not think that and um, can use mm -hmm. that type of resource, um, which is very helpful. Um, if yeah. you are wanting to seek treatment and your insurance is being wishy-washy on you or not mm -hmm. getting you in in time and all that kind of stuff, you can use your uh, healthcare savings account and all that. Yeah. 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 And I felt like sometimes, too, people want more of that personal touch and they don't want to feel like they're just a cat going through the line when they go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I guess, yeah. who would you... What what would you say to somebody if maybe they're on the fence of maybe going cash based versus uh, inpatient? Um, that's that's a really good question, and that's something that I'm learning still. Um, as you know, kind of the, the salesy side of sure of being you know they don't teach us that stuff in school. We are <laughs> nope taught anatomy and physiology and. Hey, listen, this even if you go to business works. school, you don't always <laughs> learn this stuff. <laughs> uh, and, and it's not to say that, you know, you're not trying to treat people like, a, you know, a business expense or, a, you know, a, that's not the idea of the sales side of it, but it is, it's education for people. Um, mm -hmm. So a, a lot of, you know, what I try to, to encourage people is, um, you know, asking them specifically, you know, what type of what's an outcome they want what's something they can't do that they want to be able to do what you know that could be i can't pick my kids up or you know i drive for work and after 20 minutes in the car i'm my legs on fire type of thing yeah or it could be something that you know i want to deadlift 400 pounds again and right now i'm terrified because my back hurts you know right. something along those lines but having kind of having the conversation of what is what is positive 
a positive outcome look like to you? And that's really what we're trying to accomplish is not, I want to see you for 16 visits because your insurance company approves it or your doctor yeah. sent a prescription that said two times a week for eight weeks type something. Um, I want to see you until we can create this resiliency in your, your body or your mind. Sometimes it's a yeah kind of a mental block of, of you're able to do the things that you want to do and ideally even a little bit better. Um, you hear a lot of, I want to get back to where I was before. Um, but I try to encourage people, you know, where you were before you got hurt. So what Ooh. if we kind of brought you up a little bit to a higher notch and kind of prevent that from happening again? Uh, oh, and that like kind that. of comes yeah. into, yeah, that yeah. kind of comes back into, you know, I can see people for non-injury things, more of a performance kind of approach to it. Um, whereas, you know, the insurance company would say, you, you know, you fill out the questionnaire and the only thing you can't do is run a mile. You're good. Yeah. Discharge, you know, one visit with a home exercise program and sayonara. Right. Um, whereas that, you know, and I still treat people that same way. Um, you know, they're still discharged with home exercises. They're just yeah. a lot more specific. And then a lot of the people I see pretty routinely because I'm in the gym with them too. Um, and so it's kind of that consistent communication of, you know, does this look right? Hey, can you just double check this really quick type of thing? Yeah. Um, or just, you know, pure access of, of questions. You know, my back feels great now. My shoulder's been bothering me. Uh, yeah. You know, those types of things, you can kind of jump on them before they become too, uh, too serious where you're then limiting things again. So um, that's kind of the big, you know, what I would consider salesy pitch. Um, but the other component to it is just, you know, direct one-on-one -on -one care. I, I'm the only one that's seeing these people. So it's always the same person. You get familiar. Um, communication lines are open. Uh, and then the other thing I really encourage people, and it's not always me, uh, and mm -hmm. I'm, I try to be pretty honest about that. Um, if it's something that I'm not necessarily a, a guru at, but find somebody that does what you want to get back to doing. Um, so mm. for me specifically, I see a lot of CrossFitters. CrossFit's one of my main methods of exercise. Um, but, you know, find somebody that does what you're trying to do. If it's, if it's yoga, mm -hmm. uh, Matt's not a yogi, <laughs> <Very impressive. laughs> um, but you know, having the, the person that kind of does what you do can talk the same language, understands the movements that you're trying to accomplish or the activities that you're trying to get into and, and really can kind of empathize with what you're doing and just has the knowledge of, of that movement pattern. Um, that is invaluable in terms of being comfortable cutting down the trial and error yeah. type of thing that you talked about um, and saying, like, I know this is what you should be feeling, mm -hmm. but this is what you're feeling. Let's correct that. And that for me, it's a lot of CrossFitters, uh, runners, golfers. Yeah. That's kind of my, my forte. Uh, that could be, you know, it doesn't always have to be a movement issue. I know you guys had Rachel on last week um, or last episode. Not sure when you guys are airing this one, but um, that uh, that we'll specialty see, we'll see for pelvic health, cut. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, that specialty for pelvic health. You know, don't just go to a general clinician just because it's in network with your insurance. You know, seek out a, a specialist, somebody that this is what they treat, this is what they do on a day to day basis. They have such a deep understanding of that, um, and that's what I really kind of push to people. You know, we hear a lot of this failed PT. Um, they went through Man. kind of a kind of cookie cutter, basic stuff. Everybody Dude, does I, I gotta the same stop. thing. I got to stop you there. We <laughs> have a really, we have a really good friend. Uh, he's super active. He, he tweaked his, I don't I want to say injured, but he tweaked his back doing, um, it was like a, I think it was like a deadlift ladder and uh, mm -hmm. CrossFit. And uh, so I tried to give him, he, he called me up. I gave him some advice <clears throat> and um, I, I told him, I was like, Hey, this doesn't get better in, what a week week and a half mm -hmm. the 10 days where you kind of kind of you, you can kind of see if you're going to start to make a recovery if it's going to hang around for a little bit i was like find a cash-based physical therapist in your area and he yeah. goes got it man didn't listen to me he went <laughs> he was like well it, it's my insurance covers me going to pt he went through 14 visits he didn't get better he showed me his exercise programs i was flabbergasted on what yeah. this clinician had given him with like you know, 
kind of extension extensions and open books and all these like very general exercises. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no wonder you didn't get better. And he goes, and he goes, man, I, I went 14 visits. I had like a $35 copay. And he goes, I could have gone to see the cash based therapist, uh, for like six visits and it would have been cheaper. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's what I told you to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. their fans, they're seeing, like you said, three, four people per hour or not more. And, you can't spend that much time with someone when you're you're seeing all these people. And there are yeah. good physical therapists yeah. that are insurance-based models. I just told them you need to one hundred percent. You need to make sure you want to you want to have a little bit of knowledge going in to try and find them. I know like some people will not to like toot my horn. People will seek me out because they know that I have gone through the residency and do more you know mm-hmm. functional things with people. But yeah, if you just go. You know, you don't know who you're going to get, but you kind of know what yeah. you're going to get if you go uh, cash based because they have this proven, you know, system where they are seeing these type of injuries uh, yeah. on a daily basis and not just general strengthening. And it's more and, of a tailored yeah. approach, like he was saying. Tailored approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you brought up a good point. I mean, just, there are phenomenal clinicians that are still working in hospital systems, um, more traditional settings. And there are some not so great clinicians that are charging an arm and a leg for working in a cash-based setting. They're just really good at talking to people and gaining trust. You know, mm. just because you're paying for things in cash doesn't mean you're necessarily going to see the most skilled clinician, but in general, a lot of us have started in that kind of traditional model, found the flaws, realized we can't do what we want to do and we are pretty skilled. Yeah. And so we've kind of branched out on our own and it's, it's kind of, you know, it's healthcare in general, but I think PT is, is one of the bigger kind of trends is abandoning the insurance model is the only way we can take back kind of our independence with, right. um, with what we want to do. And it has nothing to do with, you know, we are necessarily better or worse. It's just the ability that we had at the time to kind of make that jump and, Generally, once people feel and see the difference, they're on board and they understand, yeah. you know, okay, this is worth it. Yeah, you're not being limited by the insurance. At the yeah, end of the day. exactly. You don't have a you don't you don't have a sign saying go 35 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's, floor that, let's floor that bad yeah. boy. Yeah, we're yeah. In, we're, it, in, we're in Kansas. We're taking the governor <laughs> off. Yeah, and again, it's you know sometimes you're going to get great, great care out of some of those other clinicians. And if you have great insurance, you know, I always, I have a few recommendations I always keep in the back pocket for people that are like, dude, I have such good insurance. I've met my deductibles met. They're covering this at hundred percent money's tight. You know, we're yeah. in a recession. We get it. Yeah. Um, you know, where can I go? And, and those are great questions to ask, but, you know, it's not always that I'm the best person for them to see, but I know, I want them to have a good experience. So I try to keep a few in my back pocket of, you know, here's somebody you can go see that will take the insurance side of it that I know is still going to give you really good care. And sometimes that's, you know, just as valuable to them as, as it is to see somebody that is in a cash-based setting. So how can somebody find a cash-based PT? Hmm. Is there like a website out there? Do you just have to just go on Instagram, Google? Uh, how does yeah, that work? A lot of it, um, a lot of it, it's tough. There's not like a good, I tried to, to look this up. There's not like a database. You can just go in and type, mm-hmm. you know, your zip code and give you a, a bunch of people that are, are doing yeah. this. Um, <laughs> generally, what I found, and I kind of did a little search in the Chattanooga area, you know, you just type in physical therapists. And most of the time, if, if it's like a person's name or one location, um, or kind of read the reviews. Um, mm-hmm. You can kind of seek out who's, you know, cash-based, out-of-network, whatever it is, or who mm-hmm. at least is seeing people one-on-one. Um, there's also a website that I kind of utilize for, for friends and things that I have that are not in the area. Um, the, there's a, a continuing ed company called ICE Physio. Okay. Um, Institute of Clinical Excellence is what ICE stands for. Um, a lot of the people that are going through their coursework are in the out of network side of it. So they have a website, um, ice physio, um, you can search clinicians that have taken their courses 
and that gives a bio of of the clinician of you know what they work in what we'll setting put, they work in we'll put that in the show notes yeah we'll put that in the show yeah notes. yeah i can i can shoot you the link for that but that's a good way too of even if you're going to see somebody who's in it doesn't matter what setting they're in they're, they're taking courses that are kind of promoting more of the general health the exercise side of things you're not going to get just the cookie cutter and then not a lot of modalities which is you know another hot take we can save for another episode um, <laughs> but those they're they're good clinicians that are taking those courses because they want to be better and they want to kind of see those people that are seeking out that specific uh, type of treatment so that's another really good one that you can find good clinicians on and there's i think i mean i know in chattanooga there's four or five of us that are, that are on that website alone uh, but you search all over the, the country and they're everywhere so uh, that's a big one that I, I will recommend for people that I know that are in different areas. Yeah, that's good. Um, so you work in a CrossFit gym, so I do give me, um, give me a little background. How'd you get into CrossFit? And I know that we'll probably talk a little bit. There's some, maybe some misconceptions about CrossFit and stuff. I want to talk about that yeah. as well. Um, yeah. So, so CrossFit journey for me, um, I will say, 2012-2013 I had the same stigma. It's bad. You're going to hurt yourself. So you watch your CrossFit games, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um then I started seeing some of my friends start it. Um kind of seeing people you know that are a little bit more athletic, we'll say, coordinated. Um <laughs> do some of these things you're like, okay, it doesn't look so bad. Actually, it kind of looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, fast forward to 2014, um, started PT school and was just working out at the school gym. Um, started to get some interest in my now wife. So I can say this pretty comfortably. Um, uh, and always... she was, yeah, there's <laughs> <it was> always <laughs> external motivation. She, um, she was working out with us, I, I think just cause she wanted to hang out with me too. Um, but she would work out with us at the school gym, but I knew she was doing CrossFit. And so went to the same gym she was at tried it you told her looked her dead in the eyes i love crossfit yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was i was hooked pretty quick um it was not easy i'm still not that good at it but um it's you know one of those things where you you really find kind of a, a good motivating community behind mm -hmm. it and that's really what kind of kind of made me stick with it is it's challenging kind of keeps you in that motivated state oh, yeah. when you're coming out of a competitive life you know anybody that's played sports <clears throat> done anything like that you played hockey, um, but right? more than what, any, yeah what sports yeah. did you play back in the back um, in the day i participated in football wasn't very good but i was on the team <laughs> but, um, hey, that's what i say about baseball i participated <laughs> i was on yeah. the team <laughs> um and then hockey and baseball were my two two big sports and then i played hockey in college so um that was, you know, once you stop, it's like, what do you, what do you do? Where's that drive? That edge, kind of, man. Yeah, you lose yeah. it. So that's what I really liked about CrossFit mostly is just that competitiveness, that the friendships I made from that. I mean, I still have a lot of those friends now. Um, and it's really the methodology and the outcomes of it are, if, if you're consistent and, and treat your body well, are pretty hard to beat. Um, it's one of the, you know, generally most well-rounded treatment or training approaches. Uh, is there some wild, crazy stuff out there? 100%. Sure. 100%. Uh, there's I mean, a lot of things that <laughs> not everybody should be doing. Uh, but one of the things that it's kind of, it's a quote I heard. I don't remember exactly where it's from, so I'm not going to give credit for it, but it's not my quote. I'll say that. Okay. Uh, but there's a quote that said, CrossFit is for anybody but it's not for everybody. Ah. So meaning, you know, it can be modified, scaled, adjusted. You can do all of the same general workouts to yeah. your athletic ability with maintaining the same stimulus that the goal of the workout is to, to achieve, whether that's cardiovascular, anaerobic, more aerobic approach, you know, whatever mm -hmm. the, the total, total goal of the workout is, you can still achieve that without having to do kipping pull-ups overhead squats and snatches and you know all these olympic barbell movements that people 
like to make YouTube videos of fails with. So <laughs> it's like you see what they're doing at the games and what, what, what Matt Frazier used to do, is, and you've yeah. never done CrossFit before. I wouldn't start there. <laughs> yeah, and there's definitely two. There's two sides of it. There is there is CrossFit games, and there is CrossFit as a oh, it's playing that for us fitness modality we'll call it so there's there's now i mean shoot they're professional athletes they are sponsored they don't work they are training full-time i shouldn't say they don't work a lot of them don't um, they're training full-time they have a very strict regimented program that they're following mm-hmm. no different than somebody who's in, in the nfl and yeah or you know any other professional sport yeah. they have their in, their in-season training programs and their competition is just exercising really fast for time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that is a a much different side of it than just going into your local CrossFit gym and saying, I just want to be healthier. I want to be able to deadlift 250 pounds and run a mile in the same day and be able to wake up tomorrow and pick my kids up still. Um, You know, that type of thing, which is much more functional for people than to say, I need to max out my one rep of an overhead squat because they did it at the CrossFit games last weekend. Yeah. It's really cool to see. Um, that is where you kind of have to draw a line of, you know, what's your, what's your ability first off, what's your background. And then, you know, longevity, you don't need to do all that stuff to be in a CrossFit gym, to have the experience and to have the benefit of CrossFit as well. Um, which I think is, is kind of a big misconception. A lot of people have. So if it's for ev- anybody, but not for everybody, who would maybe who who maybe wouldn't be for CrossFit if you had to maybe maybe you don't have to say I don't know, but um... yeah, no, and I I thought about this. Too. Um, um, I mean, in reality, if you are if if you're somebody who is just you're against that training approach you you are i want to work slow and methodical i don't want to have any you know high repetition things i i don't don't feel like that mentality is is what's best there's a lot of exercise approaches that are going to get you pretty good results as long as you're consistent with it yeah um but other than that really it's it's more i mean it can be for anybody and that's it's more of a mindset or a mentality well, I think we're a little put off by it. Uh, and it's really the, the world we live in. Again, yeah. failed videos and we always highlight the bad stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. Or if you see somebody that's got a really good physique or really strong, it's, you know, they're on something. They've they did put some the work extra in. Yeah. Protein or Cheerios, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and that's, yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of the, the hard part. But even, yeah. you know, I've been in gyms that have teenagers. Um, I've been in gyms that have 70 year olds doing, you know, modifying the movements, but still, you know, picking things up that are mimicking activities of daily life and being a little bit heavier than what they do on a daily basis so that they are preparing their bodies for whatever it can run into and they're not going to get hurt. And that's, that's really the biggest kind of approach to it. And it's also, they're getting cardiovascular endurance. They're getting strength training. They're getting a really good group based community that's motivating and encouraging. And that's kind of what keeps them generally coming longer, being more consistent. And no matter what you do, as long as you're consistent in maintaining it, that's really, you know, what you're going to see those long-term health benefits and, you know, the quote unquote longevity from. Yeah. So I guess you would say for the, for, for some of our listeners, uh, if they want to get into CrossFit, maybe, scale it back a little bit a little bit of caveats mm-hmm. there of maybe not do the full movement yet maybe especially with the olympic lift probably you, mm-hmm. would, you would say don't start those right from the bat maybe do something yeah. else instead of that yeah and it's just like in anything you want to have an understanding of your own body first and kind of get an mm. idea of what are you comfortable doing um you've got to have some, some prerequisites for a lot of those movements. Um, and that, that is where I think for the, for me, especially, but I think for a lot of people, CrossFit kind of got a bad rap is, you know, you have these people that are coaching 
that are decent athletes themselves took a weekend course, got certified, and now they are technically qualified to coach. Tell my mom how to learn. Yeah, and you see just a massive variety in, in quality with that. And again, the society we live in, everybody finds the bad ones. Um, and that's, or they the bad ones, I guess I should say. And that's the kind of negative I think really pushed it is, is people that are just saying, well, this is what the workout is. You wanted to do CrossFit, pick this thing up, put it over your head, put it back down, keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again. And, you know, they, to be able to go through the movements, um, gym is, is so important for people if they want to get into it. Um, a couple of notes I just put down for things that they can look for. They don't just throw you into the middle of a normal class find a gym that gives you kind of a, a foundations class or something that kind of ramps you up. Um, and a lot of that would be body weight movements first, mastering air squat, mastering a pushup, doing things with a PVC pipe, um, finding awareness and control of your own body before you start adding external loading or, you know, yeah. apparatus, whatever it is. Uh, finding one that has coaches that are not just taking the weekend course and calling it good. Um, <laughs> ask them about, you know, what kind of training, what kind of training have your coaches done? What do they've done to continue their training? Are they doing, you know, continuing education year, you just the gym support, them. you know, a lot of interesting with them, but there's a lot of, PTs that are in a cash-based setting that either own or work in the CrossFit gym that they're also practicing out of. So they are coaching, they are, um, you know, being able to be hands-on with some of just the general gym clientele. Yeah. You can find one of those, I mean, yeah. gold. Um, but we don't need a PT for that. Um, yeah. You know, there's are, there are very, very competent coaches out there. Um, but just kind of do your homework and, and don't be afraid to just bounce around and try four, five, six different gyms in the area. Um, you know, find one that fits your, your needs in terms of, you know, the class schedules, the clientele that are there, you know, if yeah. it's your first time doing it and you're in your forties and you're just trying to stay healthy, you know, don't find the gym next to the village that's got 20 year olds that are still vying for the Right. Yeah. There's there's gonna be a gym down the road that's got somebody that's just there to get their fitness in and they're just trying to stay healthy. You don't need to be at the most competitive gym if that's not what your your focus or your mentality is. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I, and I guess to to summarize for those for those listeners, if you're looking for a gym, when you're searching in the area, try to find a find a coach that's gonna walk you through the progressions eventually. They're not gonna throw you into the deep end. Have you do these challenging um, circuits where you're doing a lot of Olympic lifts because that's where a lot of the bad reputation came for CrossFit. It's they're going to properly teach you how to move your body, how to eventually move up to that point in time. And then also I think something that he was saying, it's find a good community that fits you and where you are and the stage of life that you're at. And there's lot, and there's wide variety. There, there's typically multiple CrossFit gyms either in a city or a given yeah, there's area. There's multiple so yeah, yeah the first one yeah, may not work I mean, for you the chattanooga alone there's like a dozen of them yeah see there we go there's a lot of yeah. them um maybe what's a misconception i know you've talked about it some already but maybe what's the misconception or injury rate uh, I don't oh know if, that's a big one i don't one. know if that's uh something yeah. off the top of your head but <clears throat> yeah so i it's something i hear a lot of um especially you know in this the setting that i work into is maybe i should just quit I'm probably less likely to get hurt if I do something else. Mm. Um, there's there's some things that are coming out uh, research-wise. Um, one particular study that I just looked at, um, more so just you know Instagram and Google listened to us, and I was talking out loud about it, and this all of a sudden popped up into my suggested things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was a study that came out 2019, um, 
and I can send you guys the, the article for people if they want to, if you want to sure. link it in the, yeah the notes. Um, but it, it just kind of highlighted the injury rates of, of CrossFit versus um, a couple of other training promo, uh, protocols. So it looked at powerlifting, it looked at Olympic lifting, <clears throat> it looked at regular strength training or, or weightlifting as a, a general exercise, not weightlifting in terms of a sport. And then it looked at running straight running on the street, nothing fancy, um, per 1000 hours of exercise, um, for each of those different components, um, CrossFit had 3.2 injuries per thousand hours, um, regular strength training. So not the Olympic lifting, powerlifting stuff, just regular strength training, uh, 2.6 injuries per thousand hours. So not a huge discrepancy there. The one that really made me kind of look twice at it was just flat out running on the street, nothing else, 7.7 injuries per thousand hours. So mm. if you really kind of, you know, break it down, it, you're, it's more dangerous to just go for a run than it is to, to do CrossFit. It's kind of it's hey, a very loose, loose way of, the, you know, describing that study. Yeah. But, but that's kind of what to, those, those are showing. And also with all, even with all three of those, even though running was twice as uh, likely, those are still really, really low. That's seven injuries per 1,000 participation hours. So yeah. It's yep. still very low to exercise in general. And this is just kind of showing CrossFit also has yeah. a low, has a lower injury rate than maybe is perceived. Than a lot of, a lot of people think. And it, it, the hard part with CrossFit is, as I did kind of highlight, and this, these are things that I think need to be exposed and talked about, but the most common areas injured are shoulders, number one, and then mm -hmm. lower back number two. So <laughs> when you kind of think about it, you know, those are pretty important or sensitive areas. Yeah that if you're, you know, you're injuring those, that, that kind of puts a little bit more of a damper on it. But, um, another, you know, I can't take credit for this, but another great quote, um, that actually came from one of the ice physio, um, course. Uh, yeah, it was one of the, the, the courses I took with them. Um, he says, you know, we're, we're not losing people. People aren't dying because of rotator cuff tears and, and shoulder impingement, but, when you think about like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, all the metabolic diseases you guys covered in, you know, one of your very early on episodes, like th that's what, what CrossFit is helping eliminate. Yeah. I can treat, I can treat somebody's shoulder all day long. We can make their shoulders feel better. We can allow them to do these movements. Um, you know, back pain. Yeah, it sucks. It's touchy. Um, but you know, having back pain versus having a disease that, you know, you may not wake up from at any point in time you know, heart attack, stroke, all of these things are crazy on the rise. You know, what if we ignored the musculoskeletal pain, which is low things that can be treated, which, you know, we already know is low, um, and really kind of looked or highlighted, you know, we can get people away from unnecessary medications, unnecessary healthcare costs outside of, you know, just the musculoskeletal issues, um, and really kind of give people their lives back. I think if you kind of look at it that way, I said, 3.2 injuries for your shoulder for every thousand hours. Oh yeah. Personally, if me, I can, I can manage yeah. that. Yeah. And that's the saying is that a lot of people not even with CrossFit or any kind of lifting or exercising, you know, like, well, I don't want to get hurt, mm -hmm. but what's the risk of you not exercising? Way higher, yeah. way higher. Yeah. Heart disease is I mean, the one thing to kill you. Yeah. And, and even, I mean, I've seen people, you know, tear their rotator cuff reaching in the back seat of their car to grab their bag. Like, Same. <laughs> there's no guarantee that, you know, doing something else is you're never going to have these things. And, you know, granted you, the percentage is probably a little bit lower, but you can't again, go wrong getting strong. That, yeah. That's, that's another, another great quote. <laughs> no, I, no trademark here. I, I found that. <laughs> no, online. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh goodness. Well, Matt, um, thanks for sharing your knowledge with us about all the, the cash based and insurance model and, uh, mm -hmm. even about, even about CrossFit. Cause I, uh, we, we're not promoting anything in specific. We're promoting people to reclaim their health and get self-reliant in their fitness. And if CrossFit is how you reclaim your health and become self-reliant, we're all for that. Yeah. We want to get people moving. We don't, we don't discriminate here. Yeah, um, absolutely. But how, if, if you feel comfortable, how can people find you? Um, yes, let's start with that. Yeah. Um, uh, so my, my specific office is in Chattanooga, um, out of the gym called CrossFit Brigade. Um, but the, 
kind of starting point of Evo. So I think Cam mentioned earlier that I partnered with them. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the kind of starting point of Evo is actually in Nashville. So there we have three phenomenal clinicians in Nashville um, and then one in Smithville, Tennessee, which is kind of in the in Murfreesboro-ish area. Um, that if you're in, in those areas, um, some of the info I'm about to give you is still able, you're able to access them from that. Um, but specifically for um, reaching out to us, getting in, in contact or scheduling with us, uh, easiest way would either be to go to our website. It is evoperformancetherapy.com. Um, or you can call slash text um, 615-266-5599. Um, and that goes to our central um, office manager who kind of will schedule you with whatever location it's easiest for you. Um, biggest uh, kind of perk I would say would be to follow us on Instagram um, at evo.pt. We give a lot of just tips, tricks, self-mobilization, self-management, it is geared a little bit more towards kind of CrossFit and weightlifting just because that's sure. the majority of the clientele we see, but um, still a lot of good stuff on there just for um, the general population of, of trying to keep yourself active and mobile. Yeah. Yeah. We can put that in the show notes for people. Do you to mind if we also yeah. put your Instagram uh, username in the show notes? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Matt, thank you so much for giving us some of your time on this beautiful Memorial Day after you've sweated through a Murph. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we just really appreciate the knowledge you brought today. And hopefully some of our listeners can, uh, you know, start applying what they learned today. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. this is uh, the first of many interviews that we do with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I love kind of the mission behind what you guys are doing. And, and yeah, hopefully we can collaborate again in the, in the near future. Heck yeah. Well, guys, just remember, uh, as we always say, that you are human. We shouldn't seek perfection, but uh, daily improvements. So, all right. Thank you, guys. See you guys.